All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the We're Talking Football Podcast. I'm Weston. With me as always, my right-hand man, Lou. Whoa, look at you slide in. Doing the little Collinsworth slide. You like that? The Collinsworth slide. By the way, I know, like, I stole my all right, all right, all right from, like, Matthew McConaughey and his famous line. But it was literally on Monday. I think it was Monday for the Monday night game watching some, like, opening commentary. And three different ones of these commentators at some point made the all right, all right, all right comment. I'm like, what's going on here? And my wife, Joe, she goes, they must be listening to the We're Talking Football podcast. I'm like, maybe. We got trademark that shit. Maybe. So, Lou, new week. Different wrinkle, same theme. Here to recap week four of the 2022 NFL season. Admittedly, I am in a far better mood than I have been the last two weeks. I imagine you're feeling quite similar. We can chalk it up to team performance, which we'll we'll talk to in a little bit. But let's remind our listeners that tonight's episode is brought to you by Primetime Sports Talk, your top source for all major sports content, including DFS, fantasy advice, and great betting tips. Be sure to head to primetimesportstalk.com to check out their in-depth analysis, exclusive content, fascinating interviews, and explore the rest of their amazing podcast family. Again, that's primetimesports.com, your go-to for sports content. And while we're on the subject, Lou, let's stick with the themes that seem to be working for us and remind the listeners where they can find you Your friends find, at We're Talking Football. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at WTF Pod NFL. And Weston, me and you, we're, we're, we're fucking popular. We have a lot of friends. So they need to be going to the YouTube page and showing us some love, subscribing. Go ahead, tell them how to do that. Yeah, we're talking football. It's that simple. Hit the like, hit the subscribe. Lou, cost I would you no, cost you no money, Just no time, it. but it's about to cost some people some friendships on the real. Like, you, we do have a lot of friends in our personal social lives. I would coin us to be rather popular individuals amongst our, our circle of friends and no love. And at this point, the circle is just going to have to get smaller if it continues. I am a very important person. I have books made of mahogany. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Love it. Lou, I alluded to earlier uh, a little different wrinkle for us this evening at the We're Talking Football podcast, playing with the format a bit. So help me clue the listeners in as to what's going to be a little bit different about this evening's show and potentially all shows moving all right. forward for the remainder of the season. We're switching it up a little bit. We realize that we do have fans, you know, from other fan bases. And what we're going to do is just going to scoot down the hometown takes a little bit. And we're going to start talking about some more hot topics, uh, the popular, you know, debates that's been going around the league every week. And uh, Weston, we're going to, you know, talk about two topics today, maybe three. You said you might throw me one uh, as well, but, uh, we're, we're just switching it up. We're just tired of that missionary position. You know, we, you know, we want to try something crazy, you know, maybe reverse cowgirl. I don't know. So, um, I think, yeah, we just want to just basically change it up. So start off with more of a generalized, uh, you know, fan, uh, football take in the beginning. It's going to get a little weird. Two dragons, two dragons. <laughs> You're I'm always looking for opportunities to throw the saying two dragons into any equation. I mean, if you want, I can do the little brown sugar with the belly, too. <laughs> uh, please don't. Uh, 
off camera, off camera. That being said, I, I want to make no mistake about this. Lou is a Chargers fan first. I am a 49ers fan first. We will never drop the avenue of our hometown takes. That is how we got into this. Yeah, we, we can't. My, my, my therapist told me that I need an outlet to get out my frustration and bring down my blood pressure. And this has been a great outlet for me to, you know, bitch and complain about the Chargers. Yeah. So we have to continue the hometown takes. Well, my wife told me candidly, she's tired of me just talking to her about it and her even having to pretend she's listening. So if I can get this out in 45 minute window once a week, she's happy. I'm happy. Yep. We're all, we're all happy. So you alluded to it. Let's begin there. Let's start with the hot topics. Lou, I'll give you the honors. Where do you want to be? Where do you want to begin based on the two topics that we know we're definitely going to discuss? Let's go to Pittsburgh, said no one. Uh, <laughs> and let's talk about the Steelers. And basically, if they are making a mistake switching from Mitchell Trubisky or Mitch Trubisky or Trubisky, whatever you want to call him, uh, to Kenny Pickett. Now, are they making a mistake, you know, during, you know, making this quarterback s- switch? All right, so you want me to answer first since you're posing the question? Yeah, go ahead, yeah. Short answer, no, not even a little bit. I think the mistake that they made was not putting Pickett in week one in full transparency. And here's why I say this is I'll use my own sample size. And my sample size is the San Francisco 49ers and the whole debacle around Trey Lance and how a lot of people were screaming that this guy should play should have played last year. Where I'd argue was hasn't played Trey hadn't played a lot of football up until that point in time, missed an entire year, uh, jumping two levels of ball, let's call it, coming from you know FCS into the into the bigs, if you will, joining a team that still had a lot to play for and had a Super Bowl, Super Bowl caliber roster. When I look at the Pittsburgh Steelers, I even coming into the season, like I had no expectations they would compete and win the division. I had no expectations that they were going to be a playoff team. You invested a first-round quarter uh, pick into your quarterback. Why not let this guy play? Yeah, but I want to interject there. They, you probably felt the same way last year with you know Big Ben's decrepit arm. You didn't feel like they were a playoff team last year. I mean, I can't pull the tape right now, but in their head, they're like, "Hey, we got to the playoffs with a one-armed Big Ben. Why can't we do it with a Mitchell Trubisky?" Yeah, fair. Devil playing, you know, devil's advocate. I'd also say that, like, you know, they had to ride Ben to glory. There's legacy there, right? This is a totally different scenario. And did they really have anybody that they had any chips invested in that could surplant him and playing towards the future? Like Tomlin's job is safe. The only thing that I can chalk up playing Trubisky to is like Tomlin's never finished below 500 ever in his time in his tenure in Pittsburgh. And that's astounding considering how long he's been there. I think he's an elite head coach in this league. Yeah, Hall of Fame he, head coach. Yeah. yeah, he's elite at the podium. I just love everything about Mike Tomlin um, and, and his kind of his his ploy and his gimmicks, etc. I just I just feel like they sh- there was no harm in getting your rookie quarterback experience, even if you felt you had a little bit of a playoff caliber roster. I don't really think that there's anybody in that building can honestly look me in the eye and say Trubisky makes us a playoff team. Kenny Pickett does not, right? Yeah. Like, get them reps. Get them reps. This pains me to do this, Wes, but I'm sorry. I'm going to have to 100% agree with you. <laughs> that hurts. <laughs> this I know point, it does. I know. It kills me because 
I just fucking hate agreeing with you. Uh, at this point, we know what Mitchell Trubisky is. We really do. Uh, we saw it. He gave him the old, old good old fashioned. Hey, let's see. You know if he can. You know he has better coaching, better players around him. You know maybe he can you know turn this thing around, do like a Nick Foles type of thing, right? But he's had his opportunity to lead the Steelers' offense, which is if you look at it, it's loaded from a skills position. You know you have Najee Harris, you know uh, Pat Fryermuth, uh, all. You know, both good young talent, you know, from the skills position. You have Deontay Johnson. You have Claypool, who's all right. He's regressed, you know, s- since coming into the league. But he's, he's no Low slouch. usage on Claypool, though, man. Like, yeah. I just feel like they're not making the appropriate attempts to put the ball in his hands. And you can do it differently. I just feel like he's just a low priority I th- right now. I, I just think it's his added. I, I think there's more than just from a skill. I think it's more, more will than skill. But also you have Pickens. You know, a rookie receiver out of Georgia who had a you know good game last you know last week, so they are loaded at the skill position. You'd think, all right, their offense may it might not be efficient, could be ugly at times, but you think they would be able to somewhat move the ball. And Trubisky has unable to, you know to do that. And what is Tomlin really going to wait for? He's going to wait for the Steelers to be two and six before making this move. I just feel like this is you know this is the time to get Kenny Pickett in. Let me tell you why. All those skilled positions who are that I just mentioned uh, before, they're all healthy. Why not? Why wait to maybe you know Deontay Johnson's hurt or something? See what Pickett can do with a healthy young squad. And let's say he tanks. Let's say he's awful. Well, guess what? As a Chargers fan, I'm I'm always looking towards the next year's draft come week six. Next year's draft is deep at the quarterback position. So, just saying, would it be crazy to double dip at the quarterback position if Pickett is completely abysmal? No. I just don't see any issue here. And you can say, why don't you wait until the schedule lightens up? Because they do have a hard schedule coming up. That's like in six, seven weeks. By then, I don't don't see – I'm a firm believer of trial by fire. I feel like these quarterbacks nowadays are more ready and more NFL ready and prepared. To come into the league, and that was Kenny Pickett's when you when he was coming into the draft. That was like his his pro. He's a he is a you know NFL ready quarterback. Ceiling might not be tremendously high, but you know he can run an NFL offense. So I don't. I say yeah, do it now. It's been four games. Uh, it's just been on repeat. You've seen already this. You know you know from Chicago when Trubisky's you know tenure at Chicago. So I. We- I I make. I think they had to do this. We know. We know how the the movie ends. I think the mistake they're making right now, and correct me if I'm wrong, is they didn't necessarily commit to Pickett just yet either, right? Like they weren't just like, "Hey, Kenny's going to be the guy. Go forward." I hear you about the schedule, um, or I hear people who are talking about the schedule, but the reality is, is like, let him take his lumps. Like this kid does not strike me as somebody who's like, com- complete mental state will crumble based on performance through these games, like let him face top tier competition. Let him see what real game speed looks like. And I'm not judging him off of his second half performance in a game that he didn't even prep as a starter. Didn't have a full game plan. Like he was just tossed into the mix and went and tried to play a little ball. And probably like a lot of backup quarterbacks do is just come in and just throw caution to the wind and, and wing it. Right. Like, and just let the ball rip. Like, I think he'll prepare differently. I just, I just think now's the time you made the, it's funny because you alluded to like, hey, if he's not the guy, you know, quarterback is a, is a heavy position in next year's draft. Yeah, it's deep. And, and I made this comment, I think, at the beginning of last year talking about Tua. When we were looking at the Dolphins having like three first-round picks, I'm like, 
what's the problem with drafting another quarterback? Like, why? Like, you got one on a rookie contract, you st- you know what I mean? Like, and let yeah. them battle it out, and who's the guy? And you trade and move one for an asset. Like, that's always a possibility, but I'm thinking, you know, more along the lines like, okay, he doesn't play well. The team doesn't perform. Are you not in a better position to continue to build around the individual as well from a, a draft capital and a youth movement perspective? So I think now is definitively the time, but I'd argue even further that like it probably should have been a thing come like week one. This is fan. No, I, I disagree with that uh, because you, you got like I said, you had to give Trubisky like, you know, maybe he could have reinvented himself. But this is the time because it's like being the rebound boyfriend you know, to a girl whose prior ex-boyfriend was such a piece of shit, right? Like, the bar is so low, what Trubisky has set, right? And Big mm-hmm. Ben, you know, the last couple of years, his performance has set the bar so low that even if Pickett has incremental success, Weston, it's going to be exciting, and it's going to be like, all right, well, it's still better than what we had these last three years. I agree. You're sitting at the bottom of the division, make a move, shake yeah. it up, right? Yeah. That's what it boils down to. Yeah. All right. I got a topic for you. Okay. Baltimore Ravens versus Buffalo Bills this past week. We know how the game ended up, but there was a controversial call made by um, John Harbaugh late in that game when the score was tied at 20-20, fourth and one. What were they, inside the inside? Yeah, it was, it was like the two-yard line. Yeah, like inside the five. Like I said, tied ball game. They passed on three, went for it on fourth down. Now, you're going to have two sides of this equation. What is what what do where do you stand on what was the appropriate move that Harbaugh should have made? This is the old debate. It's boomers versus millennials type of thing right here. Like you're the boomer older people would like you got to take the points there, and you know. And take your chances on your defense where the millennials, like, you know how I feel about this. I, you know, Brandon Staley changed the game last year for good or worse, depending on who, what side of the coin you, you are on. But uh, I am a firm believer you, nowadays, the upper echelons team, you got to go for their necks. How many times have we seen throughout NFL history, Joe Montana, Steve Young, Brett Favre, like these quarter, the reason why they become lore is because Guess what? They get the ball back when there's time on. Even even last year, Mahomes, 13 seconds. Come on. Like, you got to go for the neck, twenty, you know, or go for the leg if you're a Cobra Kai fan, 24-7. So I Sweep think the was, leg, Johnny. I think it was the right decision, but it was the wrong execution. All right. So if you were watching the game, Allen sucked first half. He was very sluggish. Second half, he came on like wildfire, right? So – I think that played into John Harbaugh and the Ravens' mind as well. And they couldn't stop Allen the second half. So if you look at that, Harbaugh's looking at his defense, which is shockingly bad for the second year in a row. They give up a whopping 425 yards a game uh, this year, which ranks them, I think, like third. So they can't stop anything right now, the Ravens, which is coming a problem now because this is going on year two of that. So you can't always hide behind injuries. So – here they are. They know their defense sucks. They know Allen's woke up in the second half. And I'm assuming, right, this was his thought process. All right, if we don't get it, they're going to – if there's five minutes left, we can still get the ball, but they have to start their drive in the rain, on the road, at the two-yard line. 
The problem was Lamar Jackson threw an interception, and they started at the 20-yard line. All bets are off then. And I also think what a boring-ass play that was it Greg Roman, offensive coordinator for the uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Yep. You have props, the most exciting and dynamic quarterback in the NFL right now, right? He's definitely the most exciting. And you call like a sticks play, like just everyone, you know, you know, get into the end zone, turn around. It was you. If you had Andy Reid, or I, you know, I know that because Andy Reid is one of the best play callers, or or Shanahan, or or just like someone that had a, a a more intelligent offensive thought process, they would have they would have created something insane for Lamar Lamar to get into that end zone. I mean, Lamar's so athletic, man. Just put him in the shotgun, let him take a step back, and then take three steps forward and just leap into or, the end zone and extend or, the ball. Or design like, run, just like you know, just like you know, a, pow- a power like you know to the left side or so, just or something, you know. Yeah, I mean, what's your thoughts? Should that because I feel like you're old school, though. I am old school. You know, I'm old school, and like everything that I know and love about football is says you take the points. That being said, another area, Lou, where it pains me in this instance, based on what I saw in that football game leading up to this, I think Harbaugh made the right call. You got to step on throats. Here's the reality. Even if five minutes left, let's say they let's say you you don't get it, right? Like you, you know, poor execution, right? Like you'd rather them be starting with the ball on the two-yard line versus the 20-yard line. I get all that. But you haven't stopped them all day, or at least in the second half, you haven't stopped them. Correct. Yeah. And then let's say Allen goes all the way down and scores a touchdown. Which they were trying to let happen, right? The defense was some people on the defense were trying to let them score. Some people were not getting the memo. Miscommunication, man. Total miscommunication. But if he goes in, now you have to go even if or even if you kick the field goal. Let's say you kick the field goal, you go up three. Allen comes all the way down, five minutes left, right? They can easily move the ball. They were in the second half. They score a touchdown. Now you got to come back and score a touchdown anyway, right? Like as a field goal doesn't tie that thing back up and you got minimal time to do it. So if the goal here to win the game is seven points, that's the goal, at least to put you in the most favorable position, you got to take that shot. I also agree with you, terrible execution. Some people will say, hey, you put the ball in the in the, the hands of your best playmaker, which is Lamar Jackson. I would say you put the hands in the you put the ball in the hands of your best player and you utilize his best weapon, which is his feet and let him make people miss put him on the outside design a run i joke but i'm dead serious like seen it all the time like running backs just leap over the top lamar is twice the athlete as some of these players he takes one step back all of a sudden it's a draw just let him reach extend the ball just has to touch the plane in his possession and it's six points and you're kicking an extra point i i i totally agree with going for it here which go, again goes against everything that i believe in i believe in like you take points when points are given to you and you ask your defense to make a stop your defense gets paid too but what i saw in the second half is i had saw a head coach who had zero confidence in his team making a stop just zero confidence in it it's just ironic because the ravens have found themselves here before in particular last year because of their injuries on their defense and Harbaugh has did, did the same exact thing, but 
the problem is he's making the right decisions, but they're going about all incorrectly. Like the, the the play calling, the design, those are two completely different things. Hundred percent, they should have went for it. Should have thought something a little more creative. I'm sorry. There, there's, there's better plays than just hey, you know, you know, run four yards, turn around, and you know, I'll try to find, I'll try to find a soft spot in the zone. See, what baffles me with the play call is every offensive coordinator, every head coach that calls plays, you have two or three of these plays already on your play sheet. You do. They're usually your two-point conversion play, right? Like when you need that two-point conversion, you have something cute, you have something creative. So it's not like you had to dig deep, right? Like you got to simplify it. It's, it's right in front of you. Now, again, this hurts me because – I am a boomer by trade for how long I've been watching football. I am not the new age. We were joking about it before in a totally different context. I'm not the analytical guy. I know the analytics say you go for seven there, right? You go and score the touchdown. You put people out of the game, just like going back to the Titans giants game where they had the ability to tie the game, right? Like, and the analytics say, no, you go for it on two here, right? That's just what like this new age and new era um, screams, but I agree. Right call, given the circumstance, poor, poor execution in terms of play design. I'm not going to mm-hmm. fault the players. I just don't think they were put in the right spot uh, to take advantage of the opportunity. And yep. here we are: Bills, oh. Bills three and one, Ravens two and two. Yep. All right, I got a little curveball for you. All right. We don't have to spend any time here. It's honestly just the way my mind works. This is something that I've been trying to wrap my brain around for candidly like the last three years. Just want to get your little feedback on this. I'm but, definitely a boxers guy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a I'm a boxer briefs guy, to be honest. Briefs sometimes now too, but that's a, we we'll talk about that another day and age as to why. No, we won't. No, we won't. Anyway. <laughs> quite all right. I meant on here we would. Uh, not you and I just personally, but um, all right. So back in 2019, the new kickoff rules went into permanent effect, right? I think 2018, 2019, which is basically like, hey, no more running 15 yard running start. Everybody's got to be lined up on the line of scrimmage. Touchbacks come out to the 25. No uh, wedges being created from the return team, etc. Again, I know the intention of all this was like, kickoff was a violent element of the game where people were definitively getting hurt on both sides on KO and KO return. What I'm wondering is because statistically the number of kick returns for touchdowns has increasingly dropped over the years. Right. But because of that, do you feel teams are less invested in those two specific special team elements, KO return and kickoff, punt and punt return are still as significant as they've ever been. KO and K return, because I see less likely suspects returning kicks. But I, my consp- the way my conspiracy mind, and I just want to know your thought on this, the way my conspiracy mind works is teams are realizing, wow, these teams aren't investing in much in this. I'm going to start pooching this fucking thing inside the five. And then average starting field position is like the 15, 16 yard line. It's not even the 20 anymore. It's not even the 25. And I think teams are getting intelligent to this. Like they don't have a kick returning threat. There's Devin Hester is not back there. 
Dana Dante Hall is not back there anymore. These like these people that used to change the tide and change the guard on, on teams. I'm just curious if like you even like think about that at all in terms of special teams and the contribution to to a football game. Not at all. Um, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Okay, Fair so enough. But now that you you brought it up, though, um, yeah, I think for the most part, the majority, right? They're going to kick it out of the end zone. I think uh, to help avoid injuries, not for the players, you know. So because it's hard to field a, a full roster, so you ha- do have some starters every now and then on special teams, right? Yep. So I think for the majority of the point, the majority of the time, they are going to kick it out of the end zone. However. What they're probably looking at, and I agree with you, is some team who some teams who are notoriously bad and special teams. Every now and then, let's see, you know, let's see if they can mess up. You know, Chargers were infamous over the years. Uh, you know, there are some other you know bad special teams out there. I can't think off the top of my head, but yeah. So I I do think every now and then that that becomes a little more tactical. Uh, but for the most part, I do think. The NFL try to kill the kickoff, and for the most part, they have. For the most part, I think mission accomplished by the NFL. But I think teams are getting creative and smart, saying, like, they can't wedge block me any longer, so advantage us. I know I don't have the 15-yard you know, yard head start where these guys are moving sp- full speed at, at contact with the ball from the, the kicker. But I I'm, I'm just feel like I'm starting to see week by week, incrementally, more of the pooch concept – because the average average starting position for these teams right now on those pooch cons is south of the 20 yard line. Yeah. Right. Which is where the initial touchback was now touchbacks at 25 on kickoff and teams are just like, listen, I'll, I'll take those eight, nine yards in my advantage every single time. And yeah. Hey, they don't have to return it. They can't fumble it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> as a Chargers fan, whenever I see, um, where I was alluding to before, the Chargers are notorious for bad special teams. Whenever I see, you know, their, you know, punt returner or kick returner, you know, return, I'm like, oh, God, no. I just want a fair catch. And I, or I just, I don't want to, I, I don't want, the, the, the risk is way too great for the reward. And the majority of the time you're, you're not getting, you're not going to find yourself in plus territory. I no, like. I mean, I mean, listen, Kyle Williams scarred me for life, right? So every time that ball is deep, I'm just like, I'm yelling, Peter, 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 just get out of there anyway. I don't even care if there's nobody around you. Just get away from the ball. Just yeah. don't touch it. Nobody be near too many, it. Too many things let, can happen. Let it roll where it's going to roll. If it rolls all the way inside the five-yard line, all right, kudos, cool. We still get possession of the football, right? Like, wow, you are – by the way, you are a boomer. You're focusing on special teams now? Like know, all three phases Dude, of football. I'm telling you, when you watch games this week, you're going to be like, he's right. Here's another More hot teams topic. are pooching it. Here's another hot topic, topic by Weston. Should the drop kick come back? <laughs> like, you know, like that special kick that Doug Flutie did. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Why not? You're going to keep the ball in play. You're not going to put it out of the end zone. All and right. Should so we that... go to leather helmets? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. We should stay with helmets, but we should go back to the single Joe Theismann bar across okay. the, the, the the mouth there so you can at least punch what the dude in the, the face. The, the, the Rydell helmets? Yeah. <laughs> the original. Bro, those were gangsta. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's move out of hot topics. Thanks for playing along with me on that that last one. Um, I'm gonna try to throw like a wrinkle every week to uh, that yeah. you don't know too much about. But let's go ahead and, and dive back into our staple here, our our hometown takes. Your Chargers, 
had the Texans. What'd you see? All right. So um, I we both picked the Chargers to, to win. And like I said, the reason before, well, you know, last week, you know, predicting this game, Chargers are pretty good with rivalry games, I feel like. Um, they usually win those games. They beat the Raiders. They beat the Texans last year. Uh, they beat the Chiefs, you know, first, you know, the first time they, they played, um, you know, those uh, early in the season after Mahomes says something about Herbert. So I feel like they're good. Like when they get mad, they, they play well. So the good first, let's start with the low hanging fruit injuries. Clean. All right. So let's go on to the next topic, which was the first time without uh, the offensive line without Rashawn, Rashawn Slater. Um, they held up. All right. Uh, Herbert was only, uh, I think he had a pressure rate of 22% was the second lowest of the season for them. Uh, it makes it more remarkable that they kept Herbert clean with a sixth round rookie manning his blind side and Corey Lindsley with a nagging knee injury coming back. Uh, I was nervous that Lindsley was going to start the game, but not finish it, but he was able to, you know, start and finish it. That's impressive. And that sixth-round rookie, who we are going to be talking about, because I saw you stand up, is none other than the former Georgia Bulldog left tackle, Jamari Sawyer. <clears throat> Sawyer was, was pretty damn good. He allowed zero pressures on 41 pass-blocking snaps. His pass grade, according to PFF, was 90.4. His pass block win rate was 97%, which tied, uh, tied him for eighth best amongst uh, offensive tackles. This is all just saying that he was good. Now, I get it. You're like, oh, they faced the Texans. You know, not exactly, you know, uh, the San Francisco 49ers per se, right? <laughs> However, Salyer was going up against Jerry Hughes frequently, and Hughes coming into the game had a 35.7% pass rush win rate which ranked him third amongst defensive ends. So it wasn't just because you don't love – the name isn't flashy. Jerry uses is still at this age, still an extremely efficient, effective edge rusher, and a savvy vet. And yeah. he I'm not saying he was going up against him every time, but he did pretty well uh, when he did. So Real quick on, on Sire, like I, I don't care who – I mean, I think – going against Jerry Hughes as frequently as it is a feather in his cap. Like you use the words that I was going to specifically use savvy vet who has plenty of experience abusing rookie and inexperienced offensive linemen. But even from a D coordinator perspective, you're throwing everything you got at this guy who's starting his first game ever in the NFL at left tackle, sixth round draft choice. Like and by the that's way, this where I'm attacking, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, this this offseason, he did not practice at the tackle position. No, he was an offensive tackle at Georgia, you know, when they uh, that uh, that championship team. But they had him solely practicing at guard. No. So here he is. He had a week of practice at left tackle. Hasn't played left tackle since he, you know, departed Georgia. Kudos to him, man. Game ball. Yeah, That's he game got, ball, dude. Got how, often, game how often does a six-round uh, left tackle get a game ball? How often does a tackle get a game ball period let around a six round rookie yeah. in his first ever start you know yeah yeah and listen he wasn't Rashawn Slater he's left on the island they never help him out and nor you know nor should they he you know he's the truth they so it wasn't he was Salier wasn't left on an island like Slater they helped him numerous times chipping and what have you but he looked 
he looked confident. And comparing to the 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 opposing option and Storm Norton, it was night and day. When you are when you have a quarterback that's mobile and has the pocket elite, I'm gonna say elite pocket awareness of Justin Herbert, you don't need superstar tackles, right? He can slide in the pocket, step up in the pocket. You just can't have the worst offensive tackles out there. You need average to above, slightly above average. Just do enough to get in their way. And Storm Norton couldn't even do that. So, uh, so yeah. So there's that for the offensive line. Going to the rushing, they they finally brought a rushing attack. You know, into Houston, uh, the right side of the offensive line was dominating, which is encouraging because we've. What was the one question going into this year with the Chargers? The right tackle, the right tackle. But Trey Pipkins and Zion Johnson, they have showed to be a formal duo on that right-hand side. Uh, when they did run behind them, they allow, uh, they uh, were able to create eight yards per carry, and their two touchdowns, the rushing touchdowns, went to the right side, if you notice. And they had three first downs from the right side rushing. So – they were generating moving on that right side, which is something they never did last year. If you looked at where they would run, it was predominantly on the left-hand side because the right side was so awful when it comes to uh, generating movement against the defensive line. And finally, there was an Eckler showing. Uh, he had 13 carries, 60 yards, 4.6 yards uh, average, plus two touchdowns. He looked a little better. Um, I guess you give him a little more space. You know, Maybe that explosion came back. Uh, but yeah, so from the from an offensive standpoint, th- that's what I saw that was good. Real quick on the defense, a jo- Joey Bosa less defense. They still generate they generate twenty three pressures. Now they were different. Staley normally doesn't like to blitz, but they blitz a little more than I've seen in the past. Probably realizing that hey, we got to do more because we don't have Joey Bosa on the other side of Khalil Mack. But they did had twenty three total pressures, four sacks, one by Sebastian Joseph Day and Fox. Mac and Tillery, a uh, couple of them are interior, which is nice to see, and they created two turnovers. So, all in all, I should be happy, right, Weston? Like, a banged-up Chargers team, went on the road, won by two scores, and when push came to shove, they didn't charge her. They answered the bell at the end of the fourth game, at the end of the fourth quarter with a winning touchdown, with a game-clinching touchdown. So, I should be, I should be, you know, a fat jolly man, right? In a must-win game. Yeah. As I coined it, a must-win. Not so fast. <laughs> Let's talk about the bad right now, all right? I still saw the same thing I saw going into the first three weeks of the season, an inability to play a complete and full game. Coming into last Sunday's game, they allowed 58 points in the second half, which was the most allowed by any other team in the NFL through the first three weeks. And once again, they gave up 17 points and were outscored – 17 to 7 in the second half. They simply come out flat in the second half. Thankfully, they were aggressive towards the end of the first half with that last touch with the with the touchdown. Because if they didn't, they came out a little flat in the second half like they did again. Um, who knows if they win this game? So that's my bad. Yeah. Um, I'm sticking to it. I, I would if I was to add, well, I'll ask you the question in a second. Um, to me, my, my eyes told me that Herbert looked a little bit more tolerable of the pain and discomfort that he was going it's through. crazy. I feel like he's getting – like he, he was full practice today. Yeah, you just see he yeah. he's getting just more used to like how the, how it feels when he throws. But I also think they were able to keep him upright. 
far more in this yeah, game. Yeah, I feel like he only got like, hit like a couple times. Yeah, and this is what happens when you at least make an attempt to run the football, mm-hmm. right? Like is you keep some pressure off that guy. The biggest the and most obvious takeaway from this game for me outside of the performance of your rookie left tackle, who we were both fans of this pick, and we yeah. both said like, hey, this guy makes sense at guard in the NFL. We did say that, yeah. right? So it makes sense that the Chargers were working him there. Good news is they just found out they got a swing tackle, you know, if, if need be. Um and a starter go forward, in my opinion. But um, that being said, was the reemergence of Austin Eckler. We talked about like not comprehending as to why he had such limited involvement in the game, specifically the past game. So like statistically outside the three touchdowns, not like overly impressive, like 100 total yards of plus of offense between rushing and receiving, but a more conscious effort of leveraging him in both facets of the the game, run and pass, which I think candidly was missing in weeks one through three, just wasn't there. And we were all dumbfounded by it. And who would have thought it paid dividends. He gets in, he finds the end zone uh, three times to me. I think like the one now I know the, the defense is a little nicked up. I get all that, but I still, I, I don't know. They still, to me, feel like they're struggling against the run. Now, I know a lot of that yep. you could chalk up to a 75-yard run by the rookie, Damian Pierce. But at the end of the day, like, that wasn't all of it, right? That was not even half of it in what they gave up, but they still gave it up, right? The big play, the explosive play. Um, I feel like to round out their level of completeness, which I – firmly believe this team is capable of is they need to continue to commit to their running game and they have enough skill in the back half of that defense. They need to find a way to solid, not solidify the front seven, but they got to stop the run. Like they got to stop the run and then let their skill players in the back half of the field eat in obvious passing downs and obvious passing scenarios where your defense is not consistently on their toes in third and fours and third and fives and teams like, Oh, I'll I'll hand the ball off here because they ain't stopping it. Right. Like I think what's frustrating from both aspects. First, let's talk about uh, their, their running game is where did Joe Lombardi come from? He he came from the New Orleans saints. What are the New Orleans saints notoriously infamous for a running back rotation? They've always had that Sproles, Ingram, Reggie Camara. Bush, Kamara, like they, they, Latavius Murray, Murray throw him in there. They always had like a rotate, a heavily rotation at the in the backfield, but you had Sean Payton determine who goes in. I don't know if they had the intelligence to really decipher who sh- who needs to be in at what time. And I think he's seen that, and they're still trying to figure that out, uh, so they don't burn out Austin Eckler. So that's frustrating. The running back rotations completely. Uh, Joshua Kelly, I can't believe I'm going to say this, should be RB2. Uh, Sony Michelle is taking his snaps. I like Sony Michelle, but as a short yardage guy, um, Kelly's proved to be a little more explosive. So that's on the that's on the uh, r- the running game. Now the rushing attack, I know Staley has has a scheme and, ha- and has like a, a a theory, and you know he wants to have as many people in the back end as possible. But when you're facing teams like Houston. When you're facing a team like they will this week, the Cleveland Browns, I feel like you have to kind of alter from what you know and change it because guess what? Who's scaring you 
you know, from, you know, from those deep shots, you got to play up more. You got, you got to, I mean, I think he's trying to do it, but it's still not effective yet. And remember what I said coming in, I've warned people about this Chargers defense. I said, it's going to take them time, some time to gel. They have a lot of new moving parts there. Sure do. So I think uh, hopefully this is just the, the, the maturation process. Yeah. Uh, for the defense. If I'm if I'm if I'm Staley and company rolling into week five here, I'm like, let Jacoby Brissett beat beat me. If he beats me, hats off to you. But I'm not going to let the combination of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt beat me. Spoiler: They will beat the <laughs> Nick Chubb. Will like meaning like Nick Chubb and, and the Hunt will eat. They, yeah. they did, you know, we've seen this. We'll talk. We'll, yeah. I've seen yeah. this movie. We'll talk yeah. about it. All right. I mean, listen, two and two. Yeah. Got the dub. No major injuries. Uh, you know, that's all you can ask for at this point. That's it, man. Um, beat an opponent you should have beat, right? Like at the yeah. end of the day, that's, that is what it is. So, all right. Let's, let's head up north. Let's go to the Bay 49ers versus Rams. I feel like all season I've been starting with the bad. Tonight I'm going to start with the good. Yeah. And the good far outweighed the bad, in my opinion. So, point number one, we beat the Rams, which always brings a smile to my face. Uh, you and I both picked the Rams to win this game, and I don't regret that. I pick. reluctantly, I, just... I reluctant, I was reluctant. I'm like, the only reason why I did is because of Trent Williams. I feel like they couldn't establish their rushing attack, but so, and they couldn't. But I'll talk about that. Um, the reality is, is like, you believe and buy into the Shanahan owns mcveigh yeah myth whatever you want to call legend folklore whatever and it's it's now seven straight in the regular season it's a fact weston what do you mean how much more proof do you need it's a fact so here's my reluctancy and this is my own team man like and you know me i'm i am not a homer in that regard where i just like love is blind you know and ignorance is bliss with my team like I saw what they did against the Denver Broncos, right? Like that didn't give me a ton of confidence going into this game. Um, but they dispelled that, right? So whatever. The the lore is fact, right? Or at least in the regular season, you're now seven straight since 2019 that you have beaten the the LA Rams. And at least once every season, you've returned an interception for a touchdown against them. So that's four years straight that this has actually happened. Boy Ufanga. Oh my God. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about him in a moment here. But the defense balled out, dude. Seven sacks. They gave Bosa credit for I saw three somewhere in an article. It's two. I'm telling you what my eyes told me is that he had two sacks. Five QB hits. Bro, they credit Bosa alone. 14. 14 quarterback pressures, dude. Yeah, I know. Alone. We're talking about near 30 as a team that they had on Stafford. They were in his face all game long. Now, yeah. Ram Ramily, the Lambs will tell you, we had injuries along the front line, blah, 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 blah. And, like, I don't subscribe to that whatsoever because we literally were missing the best player in the NFL. Like, literally, on a weak offensive line, right? And somehow we kept Jimmy upright in the entire game. Mm-hmm. Um, here's what the difference is in this defense versus, like, defenses prior they they've been a very good defense since Robert Sala's been there right and they've been exceptionally better while D'Amico Ryans has been at the helm but what makes this team different is the back four are balling right that is Emmanuel Mosley 
Charvarius, Mooney, Ward, the big free agent acquisition, Kufunga, and they're doing this with without Jimmy Ward, who I have always argued and will tell you is a top sa- one of the top safeties in this league, and he hasn't even seen the field yet. And that brings confidence. One thing the 49ers don't really do is they don't really blitz. They haven't under solid. They get pressure with four. Monday night, you saw them blitz a little bit more, which the Rams were not expecting, but they can do that because they're confident in the people who are covering the skill positions. And it was evident. Can I say, can I say, uh, so I don't think this is a hot take as of what week four right now, we're going into week five. It's clear to me that the San Francisco 49ers have the best defense in the league. Um, and this is you can throw out all the numbers you want, right? Holding you know opponents to you know basically nothing from scoring. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go on do what you do the eye test here. Literally watching them, I felt like I was the Rams. They were playing in normal speed, right? Yep. But I felt like when I was watching the 49ers defense on the field, they were playing at like 1.5 or like you know like when you fast forward trying to like. You know, you know, skip something. They were the the speed was. Yeah, I want to say the word what, incendiary. Is that is that the word I'm looking for? Or I'm trying to sound smart, but it was just it say was, different because it's it was, different. It was man, it was it, it was blazing, and watching that, I'm like, whoa, because I know obviously our teams play each other. I'm like, they're gonna kill Herbert. They are gonna kill Herbert. Uh, so that defense is scary. It's fast. It's physical. It's everything you want in the defense. Um, so I thought I was really impressed on that showing. And we did talk real quick about the Rams going into the season, the offensive line. The yep. offensive line is going to be a huge issue for this Los Angeles Rams. Don't forget, they lost you know, a Hall of Fame left tackle. Uh, they've gotten softer. And you want to talk about – you know, what's wrong with the Rams being at two and two? First of all, last year I said I thought the Rams weren't the best team to win it, right? I said they were just the hottest team at that time. Don't forget, they were getting their asses kicked in Tampa Bay in the playoffs. They had to have a miraculous comeback. But what the, the Rams have been synonymous for is a physical physical rushing attack. Todd Gurley, you know, they had they had a bunch, they had like 56 rushing touchdowns in like two or three years, right? They don't have that anymore because their offensive line is softer than a Twinkie feeling. Yeah, the Rams are the Rams are going to be struggling from a pass pro standpoint, and a and there's no rushing attack. There's yeah. none. Well, this is why I say, and I'm going to talk about this more about another team in a little while. But like, you have to at least attempt to run the football in the NFL, or you're going to get your quarterback killed. Regardless, like, forget if you're playing the 49ers when they know that you could just tee off. You know what? The, you know what the Rams are missing and. You know, people like during the broadcast, oh, Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham. It's not Odell Beckham. It's Robert Woods. That is what is a missing piece, a solidified, true playmaker with the ball in their hand, number two wide receiver. Dude, they targeted Cooper Cup 19 times in the game. No single player on the offensive side of the ball should get 19 pass targets, right? Like, that's, Well, that's because Allen Robinson's burnt toast. Uh, he's uh, dude, he's, he's done. Yeah, he's yeah. not. He's a shell of himself, and I, it pains me too because I loved Allen Robinson coming yeah. out of. I was destroyed when he in distraught when he went to Jacksonville because the Niners had a shot at him, and he was just that big body guy um, yeah. out of the draft. I digress, but I do want to talk about Hufunga. Yeah. Like, dude, we all joke because like he's got that 
Troy Palomalo look and the hair and should be in the head and shoulder commercials and doing all that stuff. You know, the, the Hawaiian roots like Palomalo, but he's shown me that he's got the same instincts and knack for finding the ball and finding big plays, albeit we're four weeks in, but this starts even last year on a block punt where he just picked it up, scooped it, run in. And that's the reason why you win in green Bay on the road in the snow in the playoffs at Lambeau. Like, it's just like, he's, I don't know if there's a safety playing better than him right now in the NFL. I don't know. Maybe Minka Fitzpatrick, maybe, you know, but like, dude, he's, he's next level right now. And he's, he's a playmaker. And once again, this team strikes gold in the fifth round. It just seems to be where they find their pots of gold um, in the fifth round from a draft pick, but the season's still young. I digress. I want to, I still want to see continuity and, and, kind of continued progression or at least equal progression consistently throughout the year from him. Got to so call a- you out. I, I know I think there's this one safety uh, down down South Cali that uh, is pretty good too. Listen, Derwin's playing and he's balling and you know I'm a Derwin fan. So you're not like, don't, don't think I'm slating him. But I mean, Hufunga is a difference maker right now, dude. Big time. Okay. Big time difference maker. i don't just go look at stat sheets. Watch. I'm not look. I'm yeah. Watch the tape. I, you know I don't even look at stat sheets. I watch the tape. <laughs> the, all right. So on the offensive side of the ball, real quick. Hey, shocking. When we don't turn the ball over, we win f- football games. Jimmy did what we need. What I've only asked of him to do is don't lose the game. Don't turn it over. Put the ball in your playmakers' hands and let them go to work. Now, he almost had a moment where he threw a Jimmy G throw, but. Somehow the DB missed it. Somehow Debo plucked it. And then somehow Debo was Debo and took it to the, the house right before the half, um, which is, again, what makes number 19 special. And God, like, Lou, I know we talked about, like, last year was a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-career type year for Debo. I don't ever expect him to replicate it. Mm-hmm. But I really did expect, like, he's paid, drop-off, complacency there's animosity between them you know yeah but he still plays like a dog dude he still plays like even like all right forget when the ball's in his hands like when we're running the football watching him block he's just scrappy gets in there and he's still doing what's asked of him running between the tackles etc more about that in a moment what it's showing me is last year wasn't a fluke what it's showing me is last year is what Debo is capable of, right? Like, and, and I think he can continue that. And it also shows me that regardless of everything that took place in the off season, this is still the best scheme and the best offense for him to be in. Oh, without down. a doubt. I don't hands think, he, down. I don't think Debo would be Debo if he went to like the Jets. Yeah. I don't know. Think about it. the other team that was flirting with him were the lions. Now, the lions have one of the best offenses out there right now. Get your Debo on that? Yeah, but just 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 say. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> I'd be. I'd have to become a. I truly have to become a Lions fan. I think at this point, <laughs> I would own a Lions jersey with with Debo Samuel on the back of it. Yeah. Um. O line. I'm happy with right now. Oh, Without yeah. Trent Williams, what I'm scared about is Colton McKivitz. Um. Yeah. Because yeah, McKivitz is out and having Jalen Moore, which just means more Kittle, more Kittle, more Kittle, like helping out. Um, but I think Kyle's going to have to dip in his bag and find a lot of these gimmick quick release plays, which when they work, God, they work well with the the players that we have. But outside of that one botched protection with the rookie Spencer Burford, like 
Aaron Donald's pretty much neutralized this game. He made like one or two tackles, like, you know, like at the line of scrimmage, one in the backfield, but uh, he didn't sack the quarterback. That's I, I know that for a fact. Right. And then I don't even know if I heard Leonard Floyd's name called at all on the broadcast in this game, which is somebody who's plagued us for quite some time. But so all in all, like just again, the eye test offensive line stood up, um, stood out for me, but look, Hey, it's week four at two and two. We're still first in the division. And most importantly, we're two and zero oh in the division to mm-hmm. start out the year that that could bode well. Um, and then we get the Rams again in a couple weeks. Right. I think we go. I think we go Carolina, Atlanta, KC, LA, Rams, LA Chargers. I think that's the way it goes. No, we're like have... week 12, I thought. Like week no. Week uh, 10? Yeah, we're we're earlier, dude. We're in um November. Yeah, we'd be in November by then. Like we're in October right now. I can I can tell you. Um, it was like week 10 or 12 when we get to it. But again, you want the, you want the Rams sooner than later. You don't want them to figure out their shit. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't want. I want them like now. I want them yeah. like want mad. Why Kyle Stone is bad. But yeah. again, there's some bad, and I'll quickly get through the bad, and we'll get out of here. Um, the running game, you know, like minus that big Jeff Wilson TD run, we struggled, but we still made the attempt. Um, there was a couple series. There was one series in particular where we went three and out where. Jimmy just threw three bad balls in a row that were like, they weren't like interception balls or anything like that. Just like missed people that were open and could have moved the ball. I'm saying that because like, while this game was 24 to nine and it took a Hufunga pick six to get to 24 to nine. If we lost this game, it's because we beat ourselves. It wasn't because the Rams beat us. Like we had every opportunity to put a 40 burger on them and they weren't stopping us. We were stopping ourselves, but 88 total yards rushing for the game is very uncharacteristic of this team, especially in a win. Right. If I told you we'd beat the Rams, you'd guess that we probably ran the ball 150, 160 yards split up amongst three different ball carriers. Right. Divvying up the pot. But it, it, it wasn't there. But stick still with got, this. You still, got, you still got a lot of moving parts. So I'm not making excuses on the offensive line. They need time to gel. There are yeah. like a lot of new people. On the offensive well, line. I mean, I think this is also just showing that like. Elijah Mitchell is a pretty good running back. You know what I mean? And and Jeff and Hefe, Jeff Wilson, they all call him Hefe, is capable. He's competent. He's just not the same style back. He's that complimentary piece because he'll pound into you. Mitchell's a, a one cut and go. I still think this team misses Roheem Mostert, who could just put his foot in the ground and is a home run ball waiting to happen in this offense. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, put his foot in the ground, tear his ACL. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, the poor guy, dude. Poor guy. Thank God he's he's solidified like a couple paydays that are yeah. halfway decent. But like, talk about just being injury plagued. But another thing about the running game, it's this infatuation with running Debo the way that they do. I understand you have to pose the threat based on what you put on tape last year that Debo is going to run the football. But what I'm seeing of him running the football is legit between the tackle handoffs. I'm not seeing tosses to the outside. I'm not they seeing... have to, though. They have yeah. to. Who else is going to run the football? They have, like, all the running backs are hurt. Who else are they going to Dude. They have a stable of people. They, hey, listen, they brought up Tevin Coleman back, which I wanted to stop, throw up in my stop, mouth. No, stop. no, I don't want Tevin Coleman to see the field at all. But I love this rookie, Jordan Mason. Wasn't I, is he hurt or no? The no, other one's hurt. no, yeah. Um, the, the TDP from yeah. LSU, he's hurt. He'll be back soon. But Jordan Mason is the one from Georgia Tech, an undrafted 
which is like screams Kyle Shanahan. And he's like, dude, it's like the uh, Zeke Elliott Pollard argument yeah. right now. Like I would say Hefe is like Zeke, similar running styles. But when you watch Mason, he's just like, he's just explosive. He's young. Yeah. He's got energy. He's got fresh legs. He just wants to just bang into you and he's fast. Um, I want I want to see him get more touches, and I'm disappointed he didn't touch the ball at all in this this game. Mm-hmm. The other thing that's plaguing me is the absence of two individuals. It's George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk. We know why Kittle is missing from the game because of like O line woes, and he like I've always joked that you could slap 75 on his back, and he could probably play an offensive line position the way he's capable of blocking. But I think if Shanahan's the genius that I think he is, and you seem to think he is, you got to find a way to get 85 the ball on a more consistent basis. And then Ayuk as well. It's like we start every game, and he's the first one or two to get the, like, Ayuk will, I, I, I It's never going to be Ayuk with Jimmy G. I know. And this is the quarterback where, that hurts where, where, where Ayuk excels is where Jimmy G doesn't. Uh, exactly. So but, it's never going to be. But Ayuk is – I would – I'm going to say this, and this might be controversial. Debo might be the best playmaker in the entire NFL. Playmaker by definition. Ayuk is a better wide receiver by definition and characteristics of the position. But Ayuk is special with the ball in his hands too. Like you don't tell me we can't. Hey, like let Debo take one or two less hits in a game. And let's bubble screen a little bit more. Let's jet sweep a little bit more. He's capable of doing these things. I just need to see more from those two if this offense really wants to hit the the ground running. But for me, that's it. That's the bad. Um, you know, okay. no, no performance is perfect, but even an imperfect performance, you know, 24-9 against former Super Bowl champs, division rival on a Monday night national spotlight game, I'll take it all day long. I agree. I agree. All right. What are you freaking out about, Lou? All right. Or who should be freaking out? All right. I'm going to tell you who, who should be freaking out. And this fan base has every right to basically throw me under the bus, curse me out for what I said earlier this year. But if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I am fans. I am freaking out about this Cooper Rush led Cowboys team. I was the first one to quickly write them off. Week one, boom! I said they're done. They are officially done. Their season's over. We've seen this before. Dak going down, uh, you had you know you had these backup quarterbacks like Danucci or whoever the hell was in the like and Danucci, wow. So you, 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 we've seen this before. I'm like they are officially done, and I was wrong. Uh, Cooper Cush, Cooper uh, Rush has held the four, you know, held it down. Their defense is also elite. Has kept you know has kept you know uh, teams. Really, uh, you know, it's the strength of that team now. It's crazy just seeing it. Like, Dallas, when you think Dallas Cowboys, you think powerful offense, explosive offense. You really don't think about their defense. Uh, that's not the, usually the not first since thing the '90s. Do you think about that? But even though you thought about their offense first, I mean, they were just a complete team in the '90s. They were yeah. just complete, dude. So uh, their defense has been leading the charge, and their offense has just been efficient. And that's and it's just remarkable to see what they have done being three and one with Cooper Rush. Could you couldn't you couldn't even think about this? It, the fact that how good Cooper Rush is playing is now people are comparing him to Tom Brady. Meaning, like you know, you, your star quarterback goes down, and then you have this other guy comes in. All he does is win. Yeah. 
I mean, listen, I told you when I was walking out of Giant Stadium on that Monday night football game, because Giant Stadium is always 50% Cowboy fans when the Cowboys are in town. And Cowboy fans, I mean, probably not the most knowledgeable of Cowboy fans, but Cowboy fans nonetheless were literally like, F Dak, let's just roll with Rush. You know what I mean? We free up so much money and we can do so much. Like, they were making some intelligent comments about, like, supporting the argument around Rush, but, like, Cowboy fans couldn't dream up a better scenario, like, Dak on the precipice of coming back and being three and one, like, wow, that worked out differently than a lot of people thought. Will be interesting if Dak comes back and they start losing. Fans are fans are a fickle bunch, my friend. And so is Jerry Jones. He's a very fickle individual. Because he's a fan first and then an owner. So yes, he is. That's what I actually love about Jerry Jones. Um, I know most people hate him. I don't hate him even a little bit. Um, all right. You know who should be freaking out right now? Jonathan Taylor, fantasy football general managers should be freaking out right now. I'm one. Yep. As someone who's possessed Taylor in multiple leagues over the last two years, and I will tell you has been a huge contributor to winning a championship in one league and being highly competitive in others. And I had him in last year, only had him in one league, his rookie year. I had him in three leagues, right? And that second half of the year carried me, carried me. Um, in one of those leagues, I'm, I'm actually a three time repeating champion, um, like the Chicago bulls up in here, but nonetheless, like (laughs) Jonathan Taylor contributed to two of those. But that being said, like he was the surefire number one pick in fantasy football this year. Nobody's even close. And to me, he's proven to be anything, but, and now he's not even playing this week, right? Like he's injured. He's already scratched. He's, I think officially in like Yahoo PPR leagues, the 22nd ranked running back in the league right now. 22nd ranked running back, not player, running back. And he was number one on everybody's draft boards. And Lou, this is what I love about fantasy football. And this is what I hate about fantasy football. And I am usually the most happiest person in the draft room since Adrian Peterson is no longer Adrian Peterson that I don't get when I don't have the number one overall pick. Cause I have to make high risk decisions like this time and time again. Yeah. I don't want to talk about fantasy. I'm just, I'm, uh, you're, I, don't, I, don't. I know dude, actually, I'm not going to lie. I was trading text messages with somebody in our, our league the other day. And, and that person was like, does anybody checked on Lou because of just like the injury bug right now with, uh, uh, well, let's Let's uh, let's we'll talk about fre- yeah. Let's <laughs> talk about freaking out. <laughs> Lou is freaking out. <laughs> Serenity now, uh, but freaking out. If the Packers' offense should be freaking out, and particularly their passing game, they're ranked 16th in passing yards. They're averaging 232 yards per game. The Jets, Jags, and Commanders have more passing touchdowns than Green Bay. And this has led to Green Bay being the 21st ranked league in the league when it comes to scoring. They only average 18 points a game. The, I don't know when the, you know, you know, you all have those sound bites, you know, Aaron, you know, in the past said relax, whatever. But Aaron has literally said, we can't keep on doing this. Like he, you can tell there's frustration and you can see the inexperience they have around him is probably the main culprit of why they're passing offense is pretty bad right now. Now you had Romeo dubs dropped, you know, dropped a touchdown. If that was Devontae Adams, that's, that's caught. Now if that's Jordy Nelson, that's caught Donald driver, caught, yeah, whoever 
they're not used to having this much inexperience at the wide receiver position. And they are not, you know, Aaron Rodgers doesn't, you know, he, he's so good. He usually elevates the, the wide receivers and the skill position players around him. But even he has his limitations. He could just, all he can do is put the ball where it needs to be put. It's up to them to catch it. It's up to them to now make a play, make someone miss, run the right route. Yeah, I've never seen – I mean, Packers fans so relieved to walk out of Lambeau with a win uh, against the Bailey Zappi-led New England Patriots after Brian It shouldn't Hoyer. have been like that, though, man. shouldn't have been that way. I mean, I know the you – know you know what tells me that I'm seeing something that I haven't seen in a long time is I actually can't remember the last time I saw Aaron Rodgers throw a pick six. It might have been more recently than my memory serves me, but I know it's happened so infrequently that I can't remember – the last time and can't help but think like, all right. Yeah. Like Rogers is human. Like he throws interceptions, a very small amount on an annual basis, but like part of me scratches my head and be like, did that receiver run the wrong route? Did they have the wrong body placement? Did they break in versus out? Like when do, you see, when do you see DBs like enough confidence to just stare at Aaron Rodgers with, and get caught spying with their eyes in the backfield? Like, you don't, you know what I mean? Like you're so focused on number 17, Devontae Adams running around or even some of these other skill guys. But like when Randall Cobb is the the, the epitome of consistency from your receiving corpse. Not good. This isn't Randall Cobb in 2013, right? No. This is Randall Cobb in 2022. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be freaking out a little bit too. Yeah, because now it's been, it's been you know, four weeks. I don't, I don't see any progression from that passing offense. No, thank God they're able to run the ball a little bit. Yeah, well, they have two good running backs. Yeah. yeah. All right. We alluded to this team earlier. I have no positive positive things to freak out about this week, to be honest with you. Baltimore Ravens fans. And it's it's not the record. It's not the division in which I play in and competition pulling away from me. It's the defense. Lou, for as long as I can remember, defense has been the staple of the Baltimore Ravens, Ray Lewis, Terrell Suggs, Ed Reed, even as of late, just Peter Bowler. Like anyway, yeah. you, you just you do you, when you think of Baltimore Ravens, you think their defense and their and a, and a running back. I think black and blue division, and their colors are purple and black, which symbolize bruising and symbolize beating up opponents, and they're just not. Right. Like, again, our, our earlier topic and decision made against the Buffalo Bills, that was made because there is zero confidence in this defense right now. And this defense needs to improve. So Lamar, Lamar is plenty capable of doing a lot of things. But if this team has playoff aspirations, aspirations to win the division, like I picked them to do at the beginning of this season, we picked them. Yeah, it has to be more than the Lamar show like. This needs to be closed door meetings around the defense and being like, every man needs to step up. Every man needs to play a little bit better. Every man needs to be a little bit more count accountable. They have talent. It's not like they're scrubs running around on the defensive side of the field. It's just not gelling. It's not. Co I don't know what it is. It just ain't working. And that will catch up with them in the short term if they don't get this right. Yeah. Especially in the AFC. Look who at the. If Let's say they get to the playoffs. Look who look who they have to face. Yeah. All these teams that have such potent and powerful offenses, uh, they need to, you know, they 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 need to shore up that back, especially the back end of that defense. 
Do you got any more? Or? I'll let you choose. Do you want a, a positive or a negative? Um, throwing a positive here because, like I said, I got nothing positive. Okay. Well, I'm I'm beating a dead horse here, but the Lions' offense—it's fun, right? This Jared Goff-led offense is on pace to score more points than any other NFL team except for one in NFL history, and it's insane when you think to the fact, right? Swift has been out. You think to the fact they even have gotten their dynamic wide receiver first round pick from last year, uh, uh, Jameson Williams. What happens when you bring those two to this offense? And they were, they were, their whole team offensive side of the ball was hurt. They had no Amaran State Brown. They had no DJ Shark last, last week. And they still put up 40 points, man. It's the Lions are fun again. Yeah, it's I'm like a- they haven't been fun since a guy who toted the number twenty in those Honolulu blue jersey, uh, you know, ran back in the day. Scott Mitchell, Rodney Pete, Herman yeah. Moore, Brett Perriman. So, dude, I got a, I have a, I have a couple line nuggets today, and I think now is the opportune time to share them. So I told you that one of my good, good, good buddies from college that I still talk to this day is from Detroit, is a diehard Detroit sports fan, diehard Lions fan. Um, he text, he called me today out of the blue. I haven't talked like normally we just trade Texas and he like never calls. And he actually called me today, but I was in the middle of a meeting for work and I couldn't answer. And I was like, dude, my bad. I'm locked into this conference. He's like, dude, you were my lifeline. So apparently a couple of him and his Lions buddies. They're smart, analytical guys. are doing a lot of research and trying to build. I don't even know what they're trying to do, right? But he's like, I need you to prove a point for me because they're arguing about, like, what teams have been statistically burned more by poor officiating. And then there's their argument is that, of course, Lions fans remember it because you're Lions fans. Like, you remember that. And he's like, no, I got a guy who's a sports guy telling you right now i'm going to call him and apparently they were all like together like he he's he owned a business he sold his business so he's like semi-retired like hanging out um so they he called me and like i was like his lifeline but i wasn't able to and he goes all right just prove me right and he started like texting me the question like do you remember a playoff game where the the lions were burned I did need a clarification from him. I was like, just tell me the quarterback so I know which era I'm in. And he said Stafford. And I was like, dude, I don't remember the year, but it was either 2014, 2015. It was the Dallas Cowboys. And it was a a blatant pass interference that they threw the flag on, but then they picked up the flag, whatever, cost them the game. So I'm bringing this up because, like, that's how long it's been since you've seen Lions playoff football. Not that they're going to sniff the playoffs, but that you've even talked about the Lions. And we always joke how we've become semi-Lions fans on this show. And my Lion fandom was put to the test today by one of my buddies. And then the side note here is in my line of work um, in two weeks. So two weeks from mon- next Monday, actually, I have a conference call with the chief people officer at the Detroit Lions. <laughs> what's, a, what's a chief people officer? It's basically the head of HR, right? Is what uh, it boils down to. So instead of like a chief, like it depends, like it's either a chief human resource officer or chief people officer. So you call it. It's just like you're the chief of the people. Um, and, but that's what my software does that I sell, you know, for, for my organization. And 
yeah, I will be on a call with the chief people officer of the Detroit Lions. So we'll see how much somebody who's employed by the Lions actually knows about the Lions. I'm going to yeah. put their knowledge to test. Well, it's so funny. So here we are. We're toting how fun and uh, explosive this Lions offense is, right? Their defense is e- equally as awful. I think they are also on record to perhaps let up the most points in NFL history as well. Probably breaking their own record. So here's the thing. I just feel like for the Lions, they were in such disarray. They did a fantastic job solving one side of the ball, right? You can't solve both sides of the ball right away. Now they can turn their their resources, their uh, whether it's free agency or, or draft to the defensive side of the ball, shore up that, and then you know become a complete team and it's a very winnable division once Aaron Rodgers, you know, you know, goes on to that sunset. So, and, and listen, they're as you mentioned, solving their woes on the offensive side of the ball. They're young. They're young everywhere, right? Like on the offensive side of the ball. So it's not like yeah. there's just this glaring emerging need, barring injury, maybe a little youth movement at running back. DeAndre seems to be banged up. Jamal's not getting any younger. But at wide receiver and skill positions, they're loaded, dude. They're loaded. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I. I don't want to belabor a point. I want to move out of this segment, but I do want to revisit a last week's subject and on a widely publicized game this week. Can we just agree that there is definitely something wrong with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Like there is definitively something wrong. Like that running game, I don't, and I know the flow of the game might dictate it, but dude, this is the NFL and this is Tom Brady and you're supposed to have a high powered offense there's a such thing as just like stop the bleeding. You don't have to sprint to keep up with Mahomes, right? It's like stop the bleeding, slow him down, keep him off the field, break this rhythm, run the football a little bit, get a couple first downs, put three points, put seven points on the board to, I keep using this term, but to stop the bleeding. And you'd be surprised on how that changes the momentum of the game. And it's just like they abandon ship. They go right to the passing game. It's not effective. Mahomes comes right back out is, I mean, as magician-like as he could possibly be on a Sunday night with the entire world watching. I mean, he was epic. But then the other thing that plagues me is like, dude, this is supposed to be a top-notch defense, right? And, like, they couldn't – I know it's the it's Mahomes and the Chiefs, but the Indianapolis Colts made them look human just a week ago, right? And yeah, then all right. They struggle. So- There's something wrong in Tampa Bay, dude. There's something wrong in Tampa yeah, Bay. Yeah, it's the coaching. Like I said, all right, so I, I predicted the Chiefs to beat um, the Tampa Bay Bucks in the Super Bowl, right? And the reason being is because I said to beat the Chiefs, you, sh- you shouldn't blitz. You know, you got to, you know, hold, you know, you know, uh, those main people in coverage. What did the, what did the Tampa Bay Bucks, you know, do this past week? They, they went, they, they're like, we, we're going to go with our, stick with our power. And I felt like they were pretty blitz heavy. And I'm sorry, I just think, it's the coaching. It's the coaching. It's the it's it's always going to be the coaching for me, and I also feel like there's some you know I'm talking about the always I always f- focus on the fat boys. There's definitely some regression in the interior offensive line. That's not as stout as an offensive line as it's been in the years prior, but for me it's the coaching. Here's the thing: the Bucks are good enough to get to the playoffs, but you know not good enough to make to be a serious contender. So I need to see. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna pay close attention every single week to this team to like again make sure my eyes are not deceiving me. Something mm-hmm. is amiss. I'm trying to pinpoint what it is, but I need to see like 
a convincing win with a 40 burger with all cylinders clicking to feel like everything's okay. Yeah. And it's not like, it's just not, you know? And like, I don't, I don't know, like Tom Brady's 45 now, right? Like father time catches up with all of us, dude. It's just a matter yep. of time, but we'll see, man. So speaking of which this week, what are you most looking forward to on candidly? What is like a less than appealing schedule this week? <laughs> I know. So I looked at the schedules trying to think of like individual matchups, player versus player, but I did happen to come up with one juicy nugget of what I'm watching for this week. You alluded to before uh, you were making fun of me uh, starting 0-4 in our league, right? I wasn't so making I, fun of your record. I'm saying your team was uh, been uh, uh, decimated uh, by injury. Don't steal my thunder. Okay. What I'm looking for this week is which one of my players will go out on, on the IR. So <laughs> week one, it was Dak in the middle of the game. Uh, week... Two, I was healthy, and I scored 140 points, but lost uh, to uh, another friend of ours that scored 156 points. Can't be mad at that. You know, wasn't mad at that. Week three, DeAndre Swift, boom. He, he left the game in the second quarter. Week four uh, was Tua Tagovailoa and Javante Williams. So it made up yeah. for my, uh, my, week, uh, my week two not losing anyone. So if we're keeping record, folks, uh, I have lost four starters in four weeks. Yeah. So what I'm looking for this week, who's going to be the, the, the next contestant on, hey, you're headed on down to the IR. Yeah. It's common. Uh, and you know what, Winston? I'm not sure how much you remember, but this happened to me last year, and somehow I made the playoffs still bad. I, I lost everyone last year, too, just like this. I, I am the kiss of death. The, the waiver wire is a hell of a thing. That's where leagues are won and lost, and – yeah, but we do free out, free uh, the auction bid with yeah. the wire. That's huge because that's when it really shows your skill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like how deep are you digging and what are you willing to wager on the need of that person? Mm. Um, especially when there's like a big time one per- and somebody's just like, I'm going to lay all $100 down on the budget because this is the only time I'm going to need to spend week- this. Yeah, two weeks ago, I because uh, I always like to see who bids on what for the waiver. I won someone, I forget who it was, but by, for, by two bucks. Mm-hmm. Always a good feeling. Yes. Hey, got to count that as a win, right? Yeah. Um, I, I was just scraping and clawing. So looking at the schedule. So outside who, the obvious. Who, of, who, who are you talking to about like my. Uh, my Draggedy. Uh, Draggedy. <laughs> Draggedy. Yeah. I, I talk to Draggedy every day and he knows that we do this together. So he was just like, hey, like, has yo, anybody checked on Lou? Is he okay? Is he on suicide watch? <laughs> yeah. This is. Tears of a clown right now. <laughs> I know, dude. It, uh, but he, like, threw it out because he's like, he knows I chat with you, right? Um, so outside of obviously watching my own team, I won't I won't take the low-hanging fruit. I'll take the second low-hanging fruit. And I'm looking at this Dallas Cowboys-LA Rams game. Um, obviously, it matters to me, division opponent. Is Dak coming back? Is he not? Um, will he be ready in time for this game? But more importantly, like, I feel like the Rams have – are getting we talked about offensive line woes right like lack of a receiving threat like look what good competent defenses are doing to them right now and kind of bottling them up and like hey if you can keep cooper cup like yeah you can let cooper cup get 100 yards 100 plus yards 10 plus receptions but if you prevent him from getting the end zone you got a really good chance at winning this football game and and dallas is no easy task when you look at this defense and what do they do well they get after the quarterback right now. They, you know what I mean? Like 
Parsons is going to get after the quarterback. Dexter Lawrence is going to get after the quarterback with a putrid offensive line in front of them. So I'm really curious. I, to me, I think the LA Rams are embarrassed with the way that game went against the 49ers, right? Like, as the, the talk continues, just like how I feel every time we lose to Russell Wilson, like the talk continues, the talk continues. It's embarrassing, dude. They're embarrassed. They're going to, they're going to, McVay will be ready, but do they have enough tools in the arsenal to counter Dallas's defense? I don't think they do, but I'm curious is Dallas's offense enough? Well, you always, Think about the Dallas Cowboys. You have to also think about instead of play like, how is their coach going to lose the game? So that's always in the back of your mind, even though they could be a better team. That's in the back of your mind, and um, yeah, it uh, should be interesting. We'll see. Any other for you? I got a couple uh, real quick. You got Chiefs Raiders. Raiders yeah. always play the Chiefs tough, uh, but don't really expect that to be a game. It'll be fun. But I don't expect it to be. I still think the Chiefs, you know, easily come out there. And Bengals Ravens. Um, it's funny how the two teams they're basically passing each other. You know, Bengals starting to get a little rhythm now, right? They're you know they won the last two after you know dropping the first two, reverse with the you know the Ravens. So should be interesting because I want to know. Usually last last year the Bengals had the Ravens number. Let's you know let's see if that you know holds true. Does this past week what happened with the Buffalo Bills? Does that, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, fire up the Ravens and make them, you know, make them play hard? We'll see. Should be interesting. Yeah. Um, I so I, I'm looking at the the Chiefs uh, Raiders. I, I agree. Like the Raiders usually play them very tough. I think the Raiders like found a way to win. Like winning. Breeds winning. I picked the Raiders to win, uh, to, to be a playoff team. Uh, they can't fall too far behind. And, and honestly, dude, just the way how talented that AFC West is, like division games, like I'm watching. I'm watching just because, yeah. you know, the ball bounces funny ways things can go awry real quick. So, all right. I think it is time to go ahead and sprint through the schedule like we always do. Just to recap, Lou, congratulations. A quite impressive week last week at 12 and 4. Woo! Yeah, I was even 10 and 6. Like, 10 and 6 would have been the best that either of us has done so far to this point of the season. But 12 and 4, rather impressive. So on the season... that's what happens when I have a little in me when I was drinking on the last episode. I know, me too. Um, But I will I will put a caveat there because you did come back and change yeah, your the Dolphins so, pick and no. and the Vikings pick. I picked the, I changed the Vikings pick. I I always had the Dolphins pick. I mean, excuse me, the Vikings. You, you had the Bengals. You're right. Yeah, yeah. The Vikings Saints game is the one that you changed. Yeah. yeah. Um, but for the season. You sit at 38 and 26. I'm 35 and 29. Do the math. You got a three game lead four weeks through the season. Plenty of time to make this up. Plenty of time to make this up. Yeah. So let me get my trusty pen handy. Boomer. I know, dude. I write on this freaking notebook. This is supposed to be like my work notebook. And I just, the only thing I have in here is the schedule. (laughs) (laughs) And God, nobody from work actually listens to this other than my one buddy who will laugh his ass off at that comment anyway. (laughs) All right. Tomorrow night. You have the Indianapolis Colts 
at the Denver Broncos. I'm going to stick here with the home team wins, Denver Broncos. Yeah, I'm just not seeing anything impressive from Indy. Right? I mean, it almost makes that that win against Kansas City feel like an absolute miracle, unless they just become the AFC West haunter this year, right? And like start to to plague them. But uh, Denver looked to just looked a little bit better against a divisional opponent last week. Yeah, but they're banged up with injuries too, with no Javante Williams and no Randy Gregory. Even though I'm not a Randy Gregory believer, I've said it once, I've said it twice. I'll say it to the day I die. I think he's one of the most overrated players in the NFL. Oh, 100%. Uh, we talked about it when he went there in the first place and what they paid him. I was happy. I was like, oh, good. By the way, did you see that one Twitter video of like clearly like Raider fans who were commenting on forget the player? Uh, from Oakland who like a, a D back who like ended up balling out, but it started when like Judy made a big catch over the guy and basically Hobbs. Yeah. Yeah. And commented on like how short he is, but this was like clearly, he, clearly yeah. fans like, and then just showing clips of like that player Hobbs or whoever it might be just balling out the rest of the game and just continuously like seeking out Jerry Judy every time he did something. And then yeah. he had the pick six or, or whatever in the, um, in the game, I found that to be quite comical and entertaining. But I'm Broncos here, home team, short week. That's right. Uh, and yeah, no, nah, dude, now you know what I've dealt with for 10 years, by the way. And you have like four weeks of it. I don't even feel bad for you yet. All right, let's get to Sunday's matchups. G-Men at the Packers. Packers. It's in London, I think, right? So it doesn't matter. But oh, still. correct. Yes, Green Bay is the home team, um, but it is in London. I, too, am the Packers, but I think this game is going to be closer than a lot of people think. Uh, like, if I was picking spread here, I'd have to see what it is, and I probably, since we just picked straight up, I'm taking Packers, but if this was like a five-point-plus spread, I would take the Giants. I think I it's going to be a close football game. I don't. I, don't. I think the, the Giants uh, quarterbacks, you know, they're banged up. I know, I know Daniel Jones will play, but one of the best things that Daniel Jones does is his mobility. Yeah. Hobbled, hobbled with the ankle. I, I think the Packers take care of business. I, I just think Saquon looks rejuvenated, and New England, I mean, they ran that football pretty well against I know, but it's uh, – yeah. I, I hear you. I hear you. But it's still Aaron Rodgers. It's the, it's still yeah. still the Packers. All right. Steelers at the Buffalo Bills. I'll just write in your pick. Bills Mafia. Yeah. Slamming Kenny Pickett through a table. All right. The Los Angeles Chargers at the Cleveland Browns. Going Cleveland Browns. Uh, and let me tell you uh, why. Um, Miles Garrett went back to practice today. I know uh, Jamari Sawyer, we sang his praise. I just think this is going to be a different game for him. Uh, I think he's, I think this is week one. You know, his first week last week was great, but I think this will be a different tune. Um, I just, I just feel like I can't get, I don't know how they're going to stop that rushing attack. And I know Cleveland's defense is bad when it comes to, you know, big plays from the passing, you know, uh, uh, aspect. But the issue there is will Herbert have time to throw with uh, uh, a regressing offensive line? Now they played great last week, but I don't know. Miles Garrett, man, that, that guy scares me. He, he's a game wrecker. He could easily have three sacks, four sacks. And when you, 
when you get sacks, you're 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 killing drives. And I'm I'm going. I'm definitely going Cleveland Browns here. All right. I'm. <clears throat> I think you are protecting your heart a little bit. No, let me also tell you I know, why. I, but I know but, you don't but do here's that. Here's the thing. Ready? Jacoby Brissett. I picked the Chargers a couple times this, yeah, week, yeah, this yeah, year. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, Jacoby Brissett, he threw a lot last week, right? I think they're going to like, he threw a lot, resulted in a loss. What are we doing? Let's just let those guys in the backfield just eat. I'm yeah. telling you, man. That, I I agree. Uh, Bosa's clearly not playing, right? Um, he ain't playing. He might not play until he, after you guys. Oh Jesus, it's that long. He got uh, surgery. Yeah, he had surgery. Part of me wants to take the Chargers because I need to make up some games on you, and I, I need it, to, need it. to find some things in the schedule here. I think that's. I think it's. I think it, I could be honestly, I could be wrong. I think their offense is enough to overtake Cleveland's defense, um, and I have to believe that Brandon Staley knows what the Achilles heel is and it's to stop the running game. I don't think anything in the passing game scares them. So I think you see Derwin around the line of scrimmage a lot yeah. off the edge, trying to tackle Chubb and Cream Hunt from behind. I'm, I'm, you know what? I convinced myself I'm going to take the Los Angeles Chargers on okay. the road. All right. Chicago Bears at the Minnesota Vikings. Go Vikings. It's crazy. Yeah. Here's a crazy stat. Cooper Cut has more receptions than Justin Fields has more uh, than Justin Fields has completions. That's insane. So, yeah. but I'm I'm definitely going Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, me Minnesota Vikings too. Detroit Lions, our Detroit Lions here at the We're Talking Football Podcast at the New England Patriots. Ooh, I'm going. I'm going Lions. Um, I feel. At New England, I just, I just can't picture someone named Zappy winning a game. Is is Saint Brown? Will Amaron be back this week? It doesn't matter. They throw out whoever they. It matters, um, because we know what Belichick does, and he takes, he'll take somebody out of the game, right? So DeAndre's not back. He's on IR, right? So he's no, out. he's not on IR. Is he back this week? No, he won't be back. As a fantasy GM who owns him, that's I'm relying on you for the inside. Yeah, no, he, yeah, he won't. He, he won't be back. All right, I'm I'm taking the lines. I'm taking the lines. I talked you into it. You you you're still falling in love with this old Belichick, you know, fantasy of Brady ain't under center anymore. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, Seattle Seahawks at the New Orleans Saints. I'm going to say Saints. It's hard to win in New Orleans, especially going from West Coast to East Coast. You got to hope that uh, Jameis Winston plays. Um, I'm going to say Saints. I'm going to say Saints too, although I do think Seattle, like, it's their defense that troubles me. But, like, I mean, Geno ain't playing half bad, and Rashad Penny is running the hell out of that rock right now. Um, so I think this game will be close, but. I'm, I'm, I'm taking the three. I'm, I, I know think, we're not doing by spread, but I'm giving the three points of the home team here. And yeah, I, th- I think that the game will be very close. Yeah. So it's the Saints, and the Saints. Um, again, we got the Miami Dolphins at the New York Jets. You can take this one first. I, I revenge, think, 
Revenge game, by the way. I still think Teddy Bridgewater is enough. Yeah, revenge game. I agree because yeah. Teddy Bridgewater coming back, you know, to play against the Jets. Wasn't he there for like you know a week and a half? I don't even remember if he was a Jet. He was. Um, but yeah, I I think Teddy Bridgewater is a. I so much though so think he's enough. I'm starting him as my super flex in one league over Ooh. Matt Ryan. Oh uh, yeah, you can't. Yeah, yeah. I hope that the that Tyreek and Waddle can just like take those those slants. By the way, and, this uh, is the, this is the Aponte League that I joined, right? Which is my first ever like dynasty league. Lou, I'm in first place. My only loss, I legit like so all of my leagues are on Yahoo, and this one's in a different app. And I legit like just fell asleep at the wheel and didn't take Jacoby Myers out when he uh, was out. Um, not this past week with the, I know, dude, I've never done that. I've never done that, but it was just like, it's not all in the same location, you know? And it was confusing to me. I lost by a point by not having him in dude. I'm, I am the only team that's three and one and I legit have 150 to 200 points more scored than everybody else in the league. It's like not even close. And I'm just like, and I picked my team to thinking I would not even come close this year because it's a dynasty. I was picking all young pups to build for next year, and they're just all balling. It's, like, ridiculous, dude. Like, ridiculous. Like, I have I have St. Brown. I have Jefferson, Waddle. Like, all – bro, dude, ball. Now I have no quarterbacks. My quarterbacks in this league literally are Ryan Tannehill and Matt Ryan. But I also have, like, Nick Chubb. Uh, Elijah Mitchell, Damian Pierce. I do super I got, flex I, so hard. Yeah, it's either you. There's two strategy. You, you go quarterback heavy or yeah. you go positional heavy. So you can't do both. Uh, Dude, I got D Hop stashed on the bench in this league to be like, all right, if I'm not in contention, I'll trade him to somebody who is and pick up draft picks next year. But mm-hmm. if I am, like you're gonna tell me he's not gonna boost my like third or fourth because you have like three slot, uh, three yeah. like uh, flex, flex positions outside your super flex it's ridiculous yeah. all right i'm um, sorry atlanta falcons at the tampa bay buccaneers bucks right the ship here uh you see what i did there <laughs> yeah i do see what you did there honestly if cordell patterson was playing I, th- I i would roll the dice on atlanta um division game it's in tampa bay um i do agree like this is probably the get right game if there's any uh, on the horizon but no cordero like it just makes it a guarantee. I wouldn't even thought that would be a big thing. It would, dude. Well, Cordell, yeah, he's good. At, you know, what's the one good thing that Tampa Bay always does? Stop the run. So I don't think Cordell uh, is that transcendent of a talent where he can overcome that. Tennessee Titans, Washington Ooh. Commanders. Oh, man. Like, Tennessee's won two straight. I'm taking the Titans. They're two straight. Who's home? Washington. Give me, t- give me Tennessee. I think you have to. I think they're they're getting back on track a little bit. You know, if you had to, you know that that, that <laughs> meme with with two, the two Spider Mans pointing at each other, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's Tannehill, and that's Wentz. <laughs> I know, I know. It truly is. You're right. Um, Houston Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Give me the Jaguars. Um, I'm the Jags too. Are the Houston Texans the only team in the NFL? Yeah, they haven't won a game right now. Wow, they really are the only team that hasn't won a game yet. 
Um, I'm, I'm Jags too. 49ers at the Carolina Panthers. Stop it. They might kill Baker Mayfield this week. I don't know if Baker Mayfield's going to get the ball. He might not the, show up to the game. I don't know if, I don't know if Baker Mayfield's going to get the, uh, the ball past the line of scrimmage. Like he had, like I think, like six batted balls last week. Yeah, dude. Um, defensive line, and, and my and mind you, that against the Rams, that was without Javon Kinlaw, and basically without Armstead for like more than half of the game. Yeah. Well, when we say Javon Kinlaw, and I don't. I know, I know what you mean. I know what you're saying. How big of a miss is that? Because we don't really don't know what he is. He's a rotational piece. I'm not saying he's proven to be a game wrecker, but he's proven to be a competent rotational piece. Yeah, but you have especially against the run. There's shitloads of guys like that on you. So loaded. How big of a loss is that? Really? They're they're loaded on the defensive line. Yeah. All right. Game of the week: Dallas Cowboys at the Los Angeles Rams. (sighs) Conventional wisdom. We'll say Cowboys, right? But this is a game I'm just going to pick that makes no sense, right? I don't know why, but I'm going to say the Rams. I, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. I just feel like I just can't explain it. It's just I won't I won't explain it. It's just there's there's these games that just don't make sense. Like I never thought that team would beat that team. I'm picking the Rams. So it's funny because when I like go through our segment of like what I'm watching for, like, and I pick games, I'm automatic, like I'm automatically thinking to this portion of our cast and think, who am I going to pick to win this game? And uh, for all the obvious reasons, I want to say the Dallas Cowboys, but you earlier when we were talking about this game, raised the point that I was going to make at this point in time, which is to me, it's, which coach do I trust more in this scenario? Like Dallas has every opportunity to go in, be a four and one team, start to pull, uh, you know, start to or continue to keep pace with Philadelphia in some capacity. Um, Cause I don't think this is an easy game for Philadelphia coming up in a, in a moment. I think they win, but I don't think it's an easy game. Um, but I trust Sean McVay more than I trust Mike McCarthy. And I think McVay is embarrassed and I do believe him to be a genius, and I do believe him to go figure things out quickly, and he controls this team, and that's why I would pick the Rams to win. Yeah, he goes in, he goes in his bag of tricks, yep. uh, and basically he turns on you know the We're Talking Football podcast, how I was just bashing how they can't establish the run. I think the Rams establish the run this week and get Cooper Cup going, uh, and that's why I think they win. All right. Philadelphia Eagles at the Arizona Cardinals. Well, why do you say it like that? Really? Yeah, you, I do. What makes you – I feel like the Cardinals are one of the most inefficient teams out there. I'm, Eagles. Eagles. So you're Eagles. And also, if you want to talk about from a just a logical standpoint, an Eagle would totally eat a Cardinal. Totally. <laughs> I mean, Jesus, when you put it in how that context. Pick, how, do, how do you pick games? I don't know. How, how, you know <laughs> um, dude, there's part of me that wants to go. Logic says Philadelphia. There's a huge part of me that wants to say Arizona because Arizona <laughs> is one of those just inconsistent teams where all of a sudden, like, this might be their game, right? Like, you got, you got to pick up a game. I got to pick up a game. Show some balls. I'm t- don't question the size of my bag, bro. Show some Ball? Ball? <laughs> So I'm going to show my ball in my bag and I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals. 
What am I doing? Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens. At Baltimore, I'm going Ravens. I'm going Ravens too, and I'm going Ravens because to me this feels like the perfect opportunity to like focus on the defense, prioritize the defense this week against the team that I know try to improve their offensive line, but statistically shows that their offensive line is probably categorically worse this year than it was last year with all of the additions. Um, so I say go get the quarterback, figure it out. Um, I'm going Baltimore as well. And then we're at Monday night. Raiders. How many games do we have different? Two. What games are they? Oh, the Eagles game and the um... Chargers. Should we spice things up? So I just go Bengals just for the shit of it? No, I, I, just... want, you to, I want you to pick who you think is going to win the football game. Uh, I'll go Ravens. All right. Um, because if you got that right, too, there could be a three-game separation this week. <laughs> I got to minimize the risk on both ends, bro. Um, all right. Final game, Monday Chiefs. night, Las Vegas Raiders Chiefs. Chiefs, yeah, Chiefs, 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 um, Chiefs. Although I think the Raiders will g- give them hell, um, but it, it won't be enough. Patty is uh, – you know what? Forget Patty. Andy Reid is just something different, man. It's Andy Reid. It's something. He's just something different, dude. All right. Let's wrap this up. Let's do it quickly. We have <laughs> – Ignored this segment, which was a staple of ours to wrap up our shows in the 2021 NFL season. But it is that time of the season where we should be having more fantasy football talk. Lou, it's still early, right? Like you still need like your studs out there unless you you own Javante Williams or you own somebody who is sitting on IR for a period of time. Like you're still real rolling with your people and trying to figure them out. So give me a little nugget. Um, that you that you got up your sleeve for fantasy football GMs this week. All right. Well, if you are like me and you have gone through more quarterbacks than Lana Rhodes have gone through basketball players, uh, you you need to pick some up on the waiver wire. You alluded to this before. If, by the way, if you don't know who Lana Rhodes is, Google it, but then delete your browser history. Um, <clears throat> I need, I, 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 you know, I need a quarterback. So why not pick up? You said his name, Ryan Tannehill. The Commanders' defense has given up ten touchdown passes and more than twenty-one fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. I'm in. The reason why I'm saying this is because this is a position of need for me, and this is what I am doing because any quarterback I touch turns to shit. So Ryan Tannehill, come on down. You probably would be on IR by next Tuesday. Please don't say that. I just told you in the fantasy league that he's my starting <laughs> quarterback because um, I did not prioritize the position. I'm going to stay in quarterback land. I agree. Tannehill feels like on paper, based on opponent, um, a solid play. I'm going to stay with the quarterbacks. It's probably in one league he in, that I'm in, he was available. I picked him up. Other leagues, he's probably riding the pine. But Jared Goff, statistically – this year is a is legitimate. Last week he was like literally the number one fantasy football quarterback. He's a top five fantasy football quarterback right now in conventional leagues, um, and he's probably sitting on your bench somewhere. But I'm telling you, against the New England Patriots, Jared Goff should be in your starting lineup unless it is Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, or something like that that you have backing him up. But if you have Derek Carr, if you have a run-of-the-mill guy who's not – even Aaron Rodgers right now, I would sit Jared Goff for Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Oh, yeah. I agree. What else you got? 
All right, so you're going to thank me because I feel like when I'm going to say this person's name, as soon as we get off of this, you're going to go on Yahoo and you know, try to pick up this individual. I mean, why do we got to wait till as soon as we get off this? I can, I'm on my computer right now, homie. I got these, if you don't think I got my leagues up, you're So you're for people who are, in, who are in need for the wide, for a wide receiver, look no other than Alec Pierce, wide receiver of the Indianapolis Colts. Now, I'm not saying – I'm not telling you to start him this week. I'm not. But what watch. are you saying, Lou, as I search his availability in our mutual league, which I know he's I have him not – I can't drop him for – I. he's more speculation right now, and I – you know, uh, I can't drop him for – because I need, you know, seven quarterbacks on my – you know, on my team. So, all that being said, though, um, just watch what is going to happen. He had a good game last week. And I feel like they're going to have to be throwing someone else outside of Pittman with Taylor on the mend being hurt. Hey, garbage points are points too, man. So I feel like Alec Pierce, uh, look at you. Look, you are really going to pick this motherfucker up, aren't you? I'm just looking on his availability, dude. That's all. And actually, I'm not because in the league that I was looking at him, I feel pretty confident with my, my yeah, wide that, That's what it comes to. But if you're hurting at that wide receiver position – it's so hard to find a free, a free agent wide receiver. Pick up Alec Pierce. Yeah, I, I mean, I like the call. I sure do. Um, That's from downtown, and, it, and it's it's temp. That is that is like way downtown. Um, I got another one for you. This week, we talked about a certain individual who went number one overall and is not playing this week. Uh, I'm looking at Naheem Hines in his matchup tomorrow night. Short week fresh guy i know signs and talk of the town are this is you know Lindsay philip Lindsay is going to get the carries and get the bulk load blah 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 but my my guess is based off of of game flow and who they're playing this is going to be the naheem hines show so if you're looking for you feel like your team needs eight to twelve fantasy points out of a, a flex or out of a a struggling running back committee that you might have right now. I think Naheem's Naheem is the play. Yeah, I got I got two more. They can kind of, you can kind of couple into one. Yeah, uh, you allude to this first person's name. If DeAndre Hopkins, for those people who play ten man, for example, ten man leagues, if DeAndre Hopkins is available on your waiver wire, go pick him up a week early. Then when he after the, you know he return you know uh, the week before he uh, returns from his suspension you pick him up now because next week he will be a, on top of your waiver wire so that's DeAndre Hopkins also Brian Robinson all right once again for those ten man leagues if people got impatient like yo this guy got shot you hear Ian Rappaport and you don't know if he's gonna play whatever he's already practicing this week right and here's the crazy thing about Brian Robinson he was supposed to be the lead back going into this year he's from alabama has that pedigree and the, the placeholder is antonio gibson he hasn't done anything to to keep his job he's averaging 3.3 yards per carry 43 yards a game and two touchdowns go get go make sure see if anyone got impatient like i'm dropping this guy brian robinson yeah I, i'm coming dude, up i love the call just because like i mean dude that I'm not joking. That incident that Brian was involved in happened the night of one of my drafts, like literally an hour before one of my drafts. And 
I'll do one better. That came out literally two rounds after I selected him. Yeah. Oh, I, I kid you not. I know exactly where it was at the time and everything. And I was like, because obviously when that happens, everyone started making fun of me. Well, so this made it perplexing to me that uh, why am I drawing? Antonio Gibson was sitting there like just floundering and floundering. And what I, I don't understand what has gone awry with him because his rookie, it's like his usage. It's the offense, like whatever it is. But in his rookie year, dude, like he was a stud, like get this kid the ball. And like, he's, he's put up like manageable flex numbers, right? Like RB two numbers, depending in the league. Um, you know, value or whatnot, but certainly not what you were anticipating. But the whole the whole offense is floundering as well. My last one is he's probably sitting on your bench. He's owned in a hundred percent of leagues. I do think this is the week that like you start him, even though he's not the number one. But I'm thinking about Kareem Hunt against the Chargers, who have just struggled to run the football, like have a two-headed monster. Listen, I picked the Chargers to win, so I'm mother-effing myself, all right? I know you're giving me the fingers, but I mother-effed myself here. But listen, just because they give up a ton of rushing yards or a rushing touchdown here or there, depending who gets it, doesn't mean they lose the football game. Like, they still have the offense to overcome come that. I believe in that. That's why I picked them to win. But uh, I think, like, it's one of those weeks where – they kind of, as a Kareem Hunt owner, I am going to have him in my lineup, even though I know that I'm a Nick Chubb owner in another league and he is the clear cut number one. I think uh, everything you said, right? They threw the ball a lot last week, didn't amount to a dub. Let's get back to what we know we do well um, and let's, let's last, run the football. Last one, I promise. I'm sorry. I forgot, totally forgot about the individual. You, you jogged my mem- memory. Staying in the Cleveland. David and Joko, tight end. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. I'm not going to do all the work for you. I'm not going to tell you all the stats he has. But Google David and Joko versus Chargers. And he eats against the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. They've never been able to stop him. Um, what's funny is like three weeks in a row my tight ends are weak in all leagues the in all leagues like my tight ends are weak even in the league that i have george kittle it's a weak freaking play but you have to play him on the off chance right and every week i like look at injoku and i'm like this is the week i should do it this is the week i should do it and then i don't and and he does and he balls and i'm like you son of a bitch like, i get, I get is, so Weston, this is the week I know, but I don't even think he's available because he's produced yeah. enough that, like, he's – like, if I look at in one league right now and I'm, like, Njoku. Yep. Owned. If, uh, what I'm really looking at is where's Brian Robinson available right now. <laughs> and everybody's got him. You know what's funny? I'm in, like, multiple leagues with my brother, and he owns him in every single league. Uh, <laughs> asshole. And if he doesn't, Ryan Dragon, he owns him. Um <laughs> in the other leagues all right well that lou that's that's it for us a wrap a new little wrinkle we brought back an old segment we hit our normal timing it feels like uh, a hair under two hours disclaimer um unfortunately gang we're we're not gonna be recapping week five when all is said and done we will i will come back when we come back for week six recap i will come back and i will talk about 
our wins losses. I will be keeping track of that. We will have an updated record. Maybe we'll still we'll, we'll still text and we'll and I'll post yeah. who we have. I just unfortunately I gotta be in California for the the work week, so um, it's it's just gonna be tough timing wise. Get your priorities straight. Traveling with the equipment, dude. I canceled a trip to go to Oregon to see my family. To do week four recap. To do week four recap. Maybe I'm supposed to be in Oregon at this point. <laughs> um, no, nah, just all joking aside, just didn't work out. But uh, unfortunately, next week we got to miss the week. It's my bad. It's not lose bad. But I'm sure at one point in the season it'll be lose bad, and we can pass the bu- the buck and the blame Never. at that point in time. But Lou, always a pleasure. That's week four in the books. Tomorrow night begins week five. Before we part, where can they find us? WTF Pod NFL on Instagram, Twitter, and Weston. Plug the YouTube page. We're talking football. Hit the like, hit the subscribe, or find yourself removed from the circle of trust. I'm going to start deleting. Yeah, I'm going to start deleting friends from Facebook uh, and LinkedIn, whatever. You know, you're all. If you ain't following me, I ain't following you. And we're going to start bringing our 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 loyal listeners onto this, so you can see their face and know that they actually exist. And maybe they can even describe one thing that they like and one thing they dislike about what we do on a weekly basis. We'll take it as a learning example. Lou, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, until next time, adios.